0: So if you're able, grab your Bibles and join us as we continue our journey in the Word.
1: And and Jesus is standing right there in front of the very essence of truth. I always find that amazing. The silence in that moment was deafening. I'm truth. And yet Jesus tells us the truth of who he is will offend people. Because in the end, there will always be people, in fact, the vast majority of humanity, that has no interest in a God and a Savior other than themselves, where they can call the shots and make the decisions for themselves. So, look, I understand it, but but let's not roll everybody into that category. There will be people who will hear truth who may be even offended by truth when they first hear it, but that truth is going to rattle around in their heads and in their hearts. And they come to faith in Christ as a result of it. So it doesn't mean that just because somebody embraces your message, that, that, that somehow now means that you compromise. It doesn't necessarily mean that Jesus makes that clear. What he says, woe to you all, woe to you when all, right? He says, woe to you when all men speak well of you. He doesn't say, woe to you when, 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 when some men speak well of you. He says, when all. In other words, one, it's everybody's embracing it. That ought to cause you some concern. Sadly, there are people who apply this statement in that way, and what it leads them to do is to live their lives in spiritual ways that are intentionally distasteful to people. They begin to think that, well, well, if somebody embraces my message, well, then that means I've compromised. So i got to live and i got to speak in a way that will always offend them and make sure that that's the case, you know. And you end up with modern-day Pharisees, or you end up with, this will date some of you guys with the Saturday Night Live thing, Saturday Night Live, right, the church lady. Well, you know, well, I see sin, you know. I'm sorry, I'm not good at that. but <laughs> and, and And what they do is they then present that graceless message, they present a Jesus also in a way that he's not. They become Moses standing there slapping the rock, you rebels, and completely misrepresenting God in his grace that he wants to show to people. No, we can't do that. We, we can live and we can communicate uncompromised truth and still do it in a balanced and gracious way. As Paul commands us in Colossians 4, 5, and 6, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. And by the way, I like that, how you ought to answer each one, meaning that the response to each person is going to be different. The truth won't change, but how I respond to people can be very different, you know. And to do that and to change that approach while still communicating absolute truth is not to compromise. It's not compromise, But what Jesus is saying here is that there is a way which is nothing but compromise, a way that might gain us the acceptance of men, but which in the end will lead to the rejection by God. Again, the truths we've been called to share about Jesus and the life we've been called to live for him, as I said already, will naturally not set well with and even offend the vast majority of sinful humanity. And and if what we're sharing and how we're living is setting well with the vast majority of sinful humanity and is gaining us their acceptance and praise, then we do need to stop for a moment and take a careful look of how we're living and what we're sharing because it most likely is an indicator that we're living compromised lives and sharing a compromised message. Be careful when all men, Jesus says, are embracing you as they did the false prophets. You see, it puts you in league with them. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. But woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. You know, Jesus, when you think about his own life, the only ones that Jesus was really rude to was who? The religious leadership, right? Of Israel. You know, I hear Christians wanting to use phrases, brood of vipers, and they want to apply that to, to everybody that they don't like what they're doing in sin in the world, and yet they miss the whole context. Just didn't run around doing that with all the sinners of the world. Oh, it wasn't that Jesus wasn't talking to sinners about their sin, but look at the gentleness and the grace that he showed them. He only did that with the religious leadership, and why was that? Because they'd self-appointed themselves the spiritual authorities, even to the exclusion of Jesus. And to that Jesus wasn't going to allow it, because he saw the damage it was doing to people. He saw the bondage that they were putting them in through their, hypocr- through their own hypocrisy and their own spiritual elevation of themselves. He dealt with them in a completely different way than he dealt with a common man. And we need to be very careful not to take what he did with the spiritual leaders and then apply it to humanity at large. Jesus was the friend of sinners. He wasn't a sinner himself, but he was the friend of sinners. He was liked in many ways by sinners, and yet we know that many rejected him, right? We even know that those who followed him, the saddest verse in the Scriptures, John six six six. I always found that amazing... You want a Bible memorization? That one sticks with you right away. John six six six, And many departed from him because they didn't like the truth of the message that he was presenting. And what was the truth? He was going to go and die for them. He was going to be some earthly deliverer that they were looking for that would establish them in their kingdom that they could rule and reign. It was about Jesus coming and dying on a cross. And then them, what really got them was eat my flesh, drink my blood. They knew he wasn't talking about cannibalism. They knew the symbology of what he was saying, but what he was saying is, your spiritual life doesn't exist apart from me. Your spirituality and your standing with God will not stand apart from me. You have to feed on me. You have to consume me. I have to be your life. John six six six. Many departed. I had to make sure I did three sixes there, not four, right? many departed. That message was too hard. They don't want that. So look, <laughs> truth is going to offend. It's just the way it is. But as we understand that and we begin to see that, then we understand our role to share truth with grace, with love, but still know we can't compromise it just to gain their favor. Amen? I hope that makes sense to you guys. Look on, we're going we're gonna to broach into this just a little bit. We're not going to get very far, but I want to talk a little bit now as we move into verse 27. He says, but I say to you who hear, I'm going to talk about that portion of that verse just a little bit because I think it applies to what he was just talking about, what he's about to say. But I say to you who hear, this statement is the equivalent of the statement that Jesus frequently makes elsewhere when he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's basically the same thing. Hearing, hearing, in other words, hearing so as to understand. That's the implication. Hearing so as to understand, wanting to understand, hearing so as to understand, it involves three important things. First of all, it involves truly wanting to hear, truly wanting to understand. People often say they want to understand something spiritually, right? Not even spiritually. You know, I remember when I would teach my kids as they were growing up, and they were great kids, just so you know. I'm a proud dad. You know, they did great. The Lord just really just honored my my lack of fatherly guidance at times. But when I was trying to teach them, sometimes they'd say, okay, I'm listening. They didn't want to hear. They didn't want to understand what was being said. They they were just going to let me get it out and let it go at that. Look, and it's that way spiritually with people. People often say they want to understand something, but in reality, they don't. They don't want to know, they just want to hear what you have to say in order to reframe it to their own point of view, or to argue it away. (laughs) That's what most of the religious leaders of Jesus' day were doing, that's why I got so frustrated with them, right? They'd come to Jesus, they'd ask him a question, but only with the intent of arguing with him, right? Or, Or in order to disprove him, or to discredit him in front of the crowds using what he would say as ammunition against them. And that's why I often like when Jesus would turn around and say, okay, you can ask me your question, but before you ask your question, let me ask you a question. Because he was going to reveal their own hearts to them before they ever had an opportunity to ask it. You know, I've learned this. I've learned this in dealing with people in ministry. It's it's one of the things when I'm in counseling, it's one of the reasons oftentimes in counseling, I will look at somebody when they come with a spiritual question and I'll sometimes ask them first, do you really want to know? And they'll kind of look at me like, well, well, I wouldn't ask it. No, do you really want to know? Do you really want to hear the answer to your question? Do you really want to know? Do you really want to hear what I have to say? Do you? Do you really want to understand? So when you come in here on a Sunday morning, or, or you're coming, you know, I would ask this, you're joining us online for a Bible study, or you're here sitting in the sanctuary, here's the question, are you coming with open ears and hearts? Are you coming, really wanting to understand what it is God is speaking to you through his word? Do you really want to know? i found... Even with teaching, and and now listen, please don't. I don't have anybody in mind. I always am careful when I say this, right? Because somebody's like, "He was doing that to get at me." No, I don't have anybody in mind when I say it. it's just truth. I've just seen it for 19 years, and the faces are all blurred. But but over 19 years, I've seen the truth of this. There are so many people who will come in, and hear something completely different than what I'm saying. Now, look, I'm not saying the Holy Spirit doesn't speak differently to people. Oftentimes I'm always amazed I can be speaking a message to people and the Holy Spirit is speaking something specific to somebody that I didn't even have in my notes. And it's right on target for them. And they're like, how did you know? You know, how did you know I was dealing with that? I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, you were talking about this. And I'm thinking, no, I didn't didn't go there. That's the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those who I can say a truth and they will completely take that truth and reframe it through the set of glasses they were wearing when they walked in the door. It's the truth of things they've grown up with. You know, I've seen that with baptism. I will talk to people about baptism and I'll lay out the case for people on baptism, why baptism is by immersion, it's not sprinkle, sprinkle when you're a baby. And it's amazing how many people just completely reframe that back because the set of glasses they have on is, well, I've always been taught this. I've always been taught that this is the way you do it. And so I don't care what it is, People come in with their own set of glasses. So my question is, are you willing to take off the glasses long enough to hear what's being said so that you can understand? Now, I'm not asking you to believe everything I say. I would hope you would trust me, but I'm not even asking for that. I'm asking you, are you willing to hear and understand in a way that would cause you to stop and even question what you've believed for so long? That may have been your belief, but you know what? He said something this morning here that requires greater Examination. I'm not going to take him at his word, but I'm going to go back now and look at the scriptures and see, are the scriptures really saying that? You see, that implies the ears are open. The heart is wound. The Bereans did that with Paul's message, right? They were more noble because they went back and they examined. We're going to examine to see if these things are true. They were hearing with a desire to understand. Do you really want to know? So first of all, Hearing involves wanting to hear, truly wanting to understand. Number two, it involves being willing to yield to God's Spirit, who is the source and power for hearing. It requires being willing to yield to God's Spirit, who is the source and power for hearing. As Paul tells us, spiritual truth is not understood or discerned with the human mind alone, right? 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14. 1 Corinthians 2.13, These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, I like how the New Living Translation sums this verse up that Paul is saying here. Here's how the New Living Translation puts it. It's really clear. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's word to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Apart from the Holy Spirit's involvement, our understanding of spiritual truth will always be limited, will always be limited. So there has to be a willingness to recognize and to yield to the Spirit's work in imparting truth to us so that we can fully understand. That's one of the reasons that the Pharisees could not hear what Jesus was saying to them. Because they had no regard for the Spirit or, or any desire for him to reveal truth to them. It's why Jesus warns them. Everybody's worried about this verse, right? The unpardonable sin. Listen, this is the context. He's dealing with these guys who had no regard for truth as the Spirit would speak to them. They didn't want to hear what the Spirit had to say. They had no desire to look independently upon what the Spirit would open to them. They only wanted to believe what they believed. And here's what he says. Matthew 12, verses 31 and 32. Matthew 12:31. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it'll be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. The greatest truth of that, of the unpardonable sin, is the Pharisees who would have rejected any witness of the Spirit to who Jesus was. That is the unpardonable sin yet today for men and women. It's not some sin you'll go out and commit, you know, I used a bad word. <laughs> I, I I did something really wrong to the Scripture. No, it's denying the message that the Spirit is speaking about Jesus. It's called the Spirit a liar in regard to the testimony he gives. But in the greater sense, as we look at this, we need to understand that Jesus is looking at these guys and saying, you didn't want to hear, because you had no desire even to lean on the dependency or to give credit to what the Spirit would say about me and about truth. You cannot expect to understand spiritual truth when your beginning point is to disbelieve, to discredit, or to refuse the Spirit and His work in revealing and speaking truth to you. So when you come here on a Sunday, I'm really taking this back to you guys this morning, right? Or when you're listening in online on a Sunday morning, are you looking to, and are you depending upon the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, to help you understand what's being said as we study Scripture? If you're not, you're not going to hear. You're not going to hear. Third, it involves being willing to obey what it is you're hearing and that you're coming to understand. Obedience is an essential part of hearing. Why should God impart truth to you if you're not going to obey it, right? Why should he tell you? What's the point? As James tells us in James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, James 1, 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. James says it ain't any good to be a hearer if you're not going to be a doer because you're really not hearing if you're not going to be a doer of it, what you've heard. Jesus will also make this clear in the comments that he'll shortly make in Luke 6, verses 46 through 49, where he'll begin by saying this luke six forty six, but why do you call me Lord Lord, and not do the things which I say? Oh, boom! There it is again, those pithy little statements that just explode, right? To hear truth, you have to be willing to apply truth. It's just the way it is. and And what you will find is that as you apply the truth that has been revealed to you, guess what God does. He gives you more truth. He gives you more truth, right? Listen to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, verses 24 and 25. Mark four twenty-four. Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. <laughs> I've met Christians who never progressed beyond probably the first year of their faith in Christ. Their knowledge of spiritual things, they may have walked with the Lord for 50 years, but their knowledge of the things of the Lord are about this deep and this much, probably stopped somewhere in that first year. And I used to wonder, how can that be? How can that happen? And, and then Lord just showed me this verse. <laughs> and I realized, and what he's saying is that, you know what? If you're not going to use what I'm giving you, I'm not even, I'm not giving you, give you more. If anything, it's going to erode what you already have. But if you're willing to step out and to obey me and the things that I've revealed to you, then I can give you more. Why? Because you've been found faithful. You've been found faithful in little things. Now I can add more to that in your understanding. So if you want to understand more, if you want to understand things about Jesus, about the truth that Jesus came to reveal to us, then I would say, walk out what he's given you already. Be obedient in the things that he's revealed to you already, because I promise that as you do that, with each step forward you take, he's going to meet you there and he's going to reveal more and more and more and more. Wow. And so it is that Jesus says that he has truth to reveal to those who will hear. It's truth that in a lot of ways will be the opposite of the way the world thinks, and especially how the religionists of his day and and, and in our day think. As you consider what Jesus has already said in these Beatitudes, you can already see how different it is from the way that the world thinks, right? Oh, how happy are you who are poor? (laughs) Really? Oh, how happy are you who hunger? Really? Oh, happy are you who weep now? Really? Oh, how happy are you when men hate you and revile you? Yeah, sign me up for that, Jesus. Right? That's what the world would say. How nutty are those kinds of statements to the human way of thinking? How foreign was this to to the thinking, to the religious of, of Jesus' day and even to the religionists of our day as well? And yet when truly hearing what Jesus is saying, how simple and true it all really is. And and for a people living under the teachings of the religionists of that day who had developed such a complex system, a complicated system of spiritual rules and regulations and theological teachings that they imparted on the people, burdening them with the keeping of it all, the simplicity of the truths that Jesus was communicating, if heard, was a breath of fresh air. I hope this has just gone through the Beatitudes. This has been a breath of fresh air to you. And what we're about to see, it's simple. It's not hard to understand because unlike the teachings of the Pharisees, what Jesus was saying to those who were hearing him was so uncumbersome and so simple. What Jesus was sharing with them was the heart behind the law. These things we're looking at, this is the heart behind the law. This is God's heart, which when we truly hear what he's saying, it will give power to live the law in a way That's foreign to us at this point in time because it was about the law being written on their hearts and our hearts. God's heart written on their hearts, written on our hearts. And because of the simplicity of the things Jesus was saying, he was accused of minimizing the law, right? The religionists accused him of minimizing the law, and yet Jesus wasn't lessening or taking anything away from the law. Not one jot, not one tittle. He wasn't minimizing it in the least. In fact, he was bringing it to life. He was putting feet on the law. He was doing that by simply teaching God's heart that it had always been behind the law, teaching how the law, when written upon the hearts of flesh, was always meant to be kept, not legalistically, but lovingly. Not, not, not through fleshy self-effort, but through the empowerment and dependence upon God's Spirit. Not only through outward actions, but, but kept in the heart and not to, to be kept or filed to attain a, f- a favor or acceptance with God, but, but to simply bless him, <laughs> to simply honor him with our lives as his people. Jesus' sermon on the plain and, and, and the things he's about to share with them, the stuff he's already shared, what he's about to go into in the following passage was revolutionary because it, was, it, it, it brought the law to life. He was giving it relevance and meaning in a way that made sense to those that ears to hear to those who, who wanted to hear, to those who were really listening through yieldedness to God's empowerment and not through their own self-effort and fleshy way of thinking and relating. The vast majority of the self-righteous religionists in Israel would not get it. Jesus would come and go and they would not get it, just as many self-righteous religionists today do not get it. They had an inability to hear what Jesus was truly saying, not an inability imposed by him. Jesus didn't close their ears, but it's a self-imposed inability to hear. But those with a sincere desire to hear, those with a sincere desire to live for and to worship God as, as he would truly have us do that, did and continue to get it. Those with ears and hearts that were open, yielded and listening, heard exactly what Jesus was saying, as I hope all of you all and myself are this morning as we're looking at these things. And so hear what Jesus has to say next, because it's a tough message to our way of thinking and relating. Look again at verse 27. But I say to you here, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. Just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Let that rattle around in your hearts all week, and we'll come back to it next week. But as you're letting it rattle around, do it with your ears open, because the Spirit will speak to you long before I will.